0: Hey guys, thanks for listening to this message from Soli Church. Our prayer is that this message would be a blessing and resource for you, but no sermon or podcast can ever take the place of being connected to a local church. If you're in or around the Ventura County area, we would love for you to join us. You can find when and where we are meeting by visiting solelychurch.com. S-O-L-I church.com. Rest in Jesus, Christian. Be seated as you are. Please open your Bibles this morning to the book of Galatians. We are beginning a series on Galatians this morning, so your Bibles will get used to uh, this letter over the next year or so. We are going to be receiving an introduction to the book of Galatians, and so please recognize that there will be many things that we don't do a deep dive in today because we're going to do that. During the actual exegesis, when we're in Galatians, this is more of an introduction this morning so that we can get the lay of the land to be prepared for what it is that's coming. I want to read uh, in your hearing from Galatians chapter 4, verses 19 and 20. Hear the word of God. Paul writes to the churches of Galatia, my little children for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone for I am perplexed about you. Let us pray. Our God in heaven, our Father in heaven, we pray that your word who is sitting at your right hand would speak today by your Spirit through the preached Word. That we would hear today the living voice of our Savior speak to us as he spoke to the Galatian churches. And I pray that today the protection going out to the Galatian churches would become the protection that would include solely church. We pray that you'd help us in every way today. We are dependent upon you. Bring the transformation that only you can accomplish through your word. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen. So today as we begin the book of Galatians, we're going to meet Paul the mad pastor. I'm sorry to say that, but Paul is pretty angry in this letter, and his anger flows out of his concern and his protectiveness for the churches that he loves. Notice the way that he addresses the churches of Galatia in verse 19. He calls them, my little children. The reason why he calls them my little children is because Paul, on his first missionary journey, had planted these churches. Notice that it's not the church at Galatia in verse 1. As we'll see, it's the churches of Galatia. There's not just one church like the Ephesian church or the Philippian church. Rather, Galatia is a region… And in that region, there are a number of cities, and in those cities, there are churches. And Paul planted multiple churches in the Galatian region on his first missionary journey from 45 to 47. And these are very near and dear to the heart of Paul because they are like his firstborn. Okay, the fir- it is firstborn children in the world here. And so these are his first churches. And so they are dear to him. They are his little children. He has been a part of their birthing into the kingdom of God and into Christ. He is the means that God used to bring the gospel whereby these churches were brought in to being. And, and notice that Paul had a very dear relationship with these churches. Look at chapter 4 and verse 12. Paul says, brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I have also become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. So Paul came into the Galatian region, and he was suffering. He was ailing. He did not come in as a mighty apostle. He came in as a broken apostle. He came in as a needy apostle. He came in as a sick apostle apostle. We don't exactly know what it was. Some people think it was his eyesight, but he, he was not in a strong or well position. And notice what Paul says, and though my condition was a trial to you. So Paul's condition was so grievous that it actually affected these people. They were concerned for Paul's actual living health here. You did not scorn or despise me. You didn't allow my weakness to get in the way of hearing the gospel. But rather, you received me as an angel from God, as Christ Jesus. Rather than looking upon Paul and despising Paul, they literally received him as a gift, as if he was the Lord himself. What then has become of the blessing you felt? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Notice the depth of that relationship that Paul has with these, my little children. He came to them in great suffering, and they cared for him. They received him as if he was an angel, even Christ himself. And they had such a deep love for the Apostle Paul, which is why many believe he had an ailing eyesight when he came, that they were willing to pluck out their own eyes and give them to the Apostle Paul so that he would have their eyes. So this is the the way this relationship started, with deep affection, deep ties, deep commitment, and deep suffering. And notice Paul's pastoral purpose, okay? It says, my little children, verse 19, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. You see, the pastoral purpose of the Apostle Paul is that Christ would be formed fully in the saints of Galatia, in the churches of Galatia. And that is the very pastoral purpose why pastors exist at all why shepherds exist at all, while pastors are given at all, so that Christ would be fully formed in you, in the church at solely, like in these churches. So that's very, very important. Your maturation in Christ, your growth in Christ, Christ in you, you in Christ, the character of Christ, you growing up into Christ, you taking on the fruit of Christ. This is what pastoring is all about. It is about leading in this particular way until Christ is formed in you. And because Christ is not fully formed in us until the end, Okay? Because Christ is not fully formed in you, and Christ is not fully formed in us until the eschaton, until Jesus returns. That means the pastoral calling is always urgent. It's always necessary, and we will always have a job because you will never get to where you need to be until Jesus returns. And that's what gives the earnestness to to pastoral ministry. And this is what Paul is committed to. But notice Paul's pastoral pain his pastoral pain is that something has happened in this relationship, something has changed in this relationship. And look at what Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul says in verse 19, my little children for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. You see the grotesqueness of that? Paul says, I am again in the anguish of childbirth of the children that I've already born. Think about this moms, okay? You give birth on a Tuesday, and somehow that child gets back in you on Friday, and you got to give birth to that same child again. That's the grotesque character of what Paul is saying here. Look, I already gave birth to you, but now I am in the anguish of childbirth all over again. How did we get here? How did we get to the place where I have to start all over again and repeat already what I went through with you the first time? You see, and by the way, Paul's gonna use a a lot of strong medicine, strong grotesque language in Galatians and you're just gonna have to get used to it and you probably are gonna have some explaining to do with your children when you get home, but that's in the scriptures and that's the way that the scriptures roll. But notice Paul says this, I'm in anguish. So something has happened in this relationship. Now, in addition to that, the pain of Paul, notice what he says in verse 20. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone. Notice that. Paul recognizes that in this letter, his tone is not the tone of kindness. He recognizes that in this letter, his tone is not the tone of gentleness. Okay? This is the tone of the serrated edge. This is the tone that cuts. This is the tone that is not nice. And notice that the reason why Paul says he has this tone in the book of Galatians to these letters, he says, for I am perplexed about you. I'm actually confused about you. I had better thoughts of where you would be now, and I didn't think you would succumb to the things that you are succumbing to. And so because Paul is a protective pastor, okay, and you guys have to understand this, right? How many of you in here are parents, right? Raise your hands, right? How many of you have ever been angry over something that has hurt your child, right? Yeah, you, if you're not, you're not really alive as a parent, right? The things that hurt your child are the things that make you the angriest, right? Well, this is what Paul's going through. He's fighting mad because there's something that's hurting his little children in the faith, and he's not there to be able to deal with it. And so he sends this letter, and it's got to be a strong tonic. It has to be strong medicine. So it's a very raw letter that reveals a protective pastor. And all pastors must be protective. And pastors must sometimes get angry in protecting the flock. Not getting angry with you, but getting angry at the things that could hurt you and lead you astray. Because these things matter as we're going to see. There are real dangers and real threats to churches. Okay, Paul is telling us this. Whatever the Galatians are facing, they're real threats. Whatever the Galatians are facing, they are real, very real dangers. And here's what, something that's very important for you guys to see. You don't get to say, well, these are dangers for the churches. That doesn't include me. No, no, that's where we're completely wrong. In the Bible, you don't, the Christian doesn't see themselves apart from the church, and the church doesn't see themselves apart from the individual Christians. You don't get to set the institution aside and say, oh, Paul's concerned for the institution of the church here, but I'm kind of just an individual person and I'm okay. No. You and I are part of the body of Christ. We are in union with Christ, and we are in union with his body. That's what comes with the territory. And so Paul's concern for the churches is not concerned for the church in the abstract, not concerned for the institutional church apart from the people that are the church. His pastoral concern is there are real threats and real dangers to the real faith of the real people that make up these churches, and everything is at stake. Everything is at stake. So this letter is dramatic. It's fiery, it's intense, and it's extremely important. So what is the danger? Look with me at chapter five. Chapter five, we're gonna be all over this book to get the survey. Chapter five, beginning in verse two, we see a little bit of what the danger was. Paul says, like any good speaker would, look, look, I, Paul, say to you, that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he's obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law and have fallen away from grace. Oh, what's the danger here? Oh, nothing. Just being severed from Christ. Just falling away from grace, Christ being of no value to you, you think those are small dangers to be severed from Christ, to fall away from grace, to have Christ be of no advantage to you? And the issue here, as we'll see in a moment, is there was something that was being added to faith in Christ, something that was being added to trust in Christ. Look at chapter four, look back to chapter four, beginning in verse eight, we get another taste of what's going on, what the problem is. Formerly, Paul says, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back? to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more. You observe days and months and seasons and years. Look at verse 11. I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. You wanna talk about a pastoral broken heart. For Paul to be able to say, I as the apostle Paul, chosen apostle to the Gentiles, preacher of Christ crucified, came into the Galatian region, with great suffering, and proclaimed Christ and his cross. Churches were established. People were baptized. The Lord's Supper was being celebrated. Gathering for worship was taking place. And all of this may be in vain. All of it may end in nothing. If what? If they go back to the law. If they go back to the law. So what's the problem This is very important because I need you to carry this with you for the entire next year, okay? I need you to understand what the fundamental problem is that Paul is dealing with here in the book of Galatians, and I need you to carry it with you for the next year. All of our sermons will be related to this, okay? According to the troublers, as we're going to meet them in just a moment, what had happened is these troublers had come into the Galatian region And listen, they were preaching faith in Christ. So please don't misunderstand, this letter is not about the troublers not believing in faith in Christ. They were preaching faith in Christ and they were preaching Christian baptism. But what they were preaching was this, faith in Christ and Christian baptism is not enough. Faith in Christ and Christian baptism is not enough to bring you justification, Entry into the new covenant, entry into the covenant community, and reception of the Spirit. Okay? That, that those things, those things, justification, entry into the new covenant, entry into the covenant community of the church, and the reception of the Spirit, these things do not come to you by grace, through faith, and then sealed in baptism. But rather, they were saying this. Paul's gospel of grace, these troublers as we're going to meet them, they were saying that Paul's gospel of grace is good. Okay, Paul's gospel of grace is good. It's just incomplete. Paul's gospel of grace is wonderful, but it falls short. Paul's gospel of grace is necessary, but it needs to be supplemented. So this is very important that you guys get this. These troublers were preaching faith in Christ, and they were preaching Christian baptism, but they were saying this, in order for you to enter into the fullness of justification, the fullness of the new covenant, the fullness of entry into the covenant community, and in order for you to receive the Spirit, we need to fill out the gospel. And the answer to filling out the gospel to make it full and final is the law. Torah. In other words, you must add the law to faith. Faith in Christ is good, but it's halfway. It's a half gospel and a half measure. And the way the gospel is completed is through submission to the Torah, submission to the law. In other words, if you were a, gen- if you were a male, that meant circumcision. And if you were any other person that was not a male, it meant that the male was circumcised and you entered into the world of Torah. You entered into observing days, months, seasons, and years. In other words, faith is finished with law. That's what was being preached by these agitators. And you have to understand that for the Apostle Paul, this was a magnanimous danger. It was the danger of dangers, okay? And you see why this is, deceptive, because this message that the Galatians were receiving was not a denial of faith in Christ, okay? It would have been a little easier to come in and say, hey, look, you don't need to trust Christ. You don't need to trust the cross. You don't need Christian baptism. What you need instead is the law. That would have made it kind of clear, right? It was like, okay, this or that, but that's not what they were saying. They were saying faith in Christ is good, okay? Baptism is good. It's just not enough. You have to go the, all the way through faith and baptism into Torah, into the law, into circumcision, into the world of the Old Testament Levitical law. That will get you all the way into everything that the gospel will not get you in. That's what was being said. And of course, for Paul, this is a huge danger. It means that if they go in this direction, if these Galatian churches are bewitched in this way, and they go this way, it means he will have run in vain. According to 5-2, Christ will be of no advantage to them. According to 5-4, they will be severed from Christ and will have fallen away from grace. And I want you to turn back with me to chapter 1 and verse 6, and I want you to see ultimately what happens if they go through the gospel and into Torah, what this means. Chapter 1, verse 6. This is not only a deserting of grace. You're actually deserting the calling God. Look at chapter 1, verse 6. Paul says, I am astonished. In other words, he's just, he's apostolically apoplectic. Okay, if you want two A's. Okay, he's just, he's apostolically apoplectic that they are so quickly like just so quickly abandoning the gospel that Paul preached to them. Watch this. You are deserting him who called you. You see, this sounds like, well, what's the big deal about adding the law on to faith? What's the big deal about adding Torah onto grace? What's the big deal about supplementing Jesus with a little bit of help from the law? Paul says, to do so is to desert Him. It's to desert Him who called you in the grace of Christ and to turn to a different gospel, Paul says, that is actually not another gospel, Paul said. So this is how important this is. This is what's at stake if we supplement or add to the gospel and Christ at all. What's at stake? Just everything. Just everything is at stake, you see. And so that's why Paul, the protective pastor, is mad at what he sees, because he knows that everything is at stake and the sheep must be protected by the true gospel, by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul is saying this is not the way to go. Look at what he says in chapter 3 and verse 2. Okay, chapter 3 and verse 2. Paul's asking them to remember back when he was there, preaching the gospel among them. And then he says this, verse 2 of chapter 3, let me ask you only this, okay? Let's just bring it down to what the deal is here, okay? Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? It's just that simple, okay? You receive the Spirit of God. Did you receive the Spirit of God by adhering to circumcision and by adhering to the world of Torah and the law? Is that how the Spirit came to you? Is that how you became a temple of the Holy Spirit of God? Is that how the eschatological Spirit came upon you, united you to Christ, and is bearing the fruit? Is that how you received the Spirit of God, Paul says? Or was it through hearing the gospel with faith? And then he says this, are you so foolish Having begun by the Spirit, you're now seeking to be perfected by the flesh. You began with faith in the Spirit, but now you think you've finished the story by Torah. No, Paul says. No. It's not how it goes. Watch what he says. Drop down to verse 10. Paul says, you want to go there? You want to go to Torah? Here's what waits for you in Torah. We know what waits for you in Christ. Here's what waits for you in Christ. Justification entry into the new covenant, entry into the covenant community, reception of the Spirit. These are all what wait for you in Christ. Here's what waits for you if you go back to the law. Verse 10, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. That's good news. Right? So there you go. Go back to the law. You'll just be resubmitting yourself to the curse of the law. For it is written, cursed, be everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law. Okay, so here's, if you want to go back to the law, here's what waits for you, judgment. Here's what waits for you, a curse. Here's what waits for you. You will have to abide by every single thing that is written in the law perfectly for the totality of your entire existence, or curse. Paul says this in verse 11, now it is evident that no one is justified Before God by the law. Why do you want to go back to that? Why do you want to supplement faith in Christ with law? Because no one's ever been justified by the law. Abraham wasn't justified by the law. Moses wasn't justified by the law. David wasn't justified. But no one's ever been justified by the law. No one ever will be justified by the law. Only Christ is the vindication Himself of the law. You see. So this is a real deal. This is really, really a danger. Now, some of you are saying, Pastor David, really? I mean, are we really in danger of bringing back yield, circumcision in our own day to supplement the faith? Maybe not. Maybe not. But are we always, as C.S. Lewis said in the Screwtape Letters, are we always not in danger of Christ and? Christ and this, Christ and that, Christ and this. Of course we are. So who are, who are those who are bringing this danger? I prefer not to have us name them during this series. Oftentimes, they've been picked up the name as the Judaizers. One time, that term is used in Galatians, and it's not exactly needs to be um, known as the entire group is that way. I'd rather just let the text speak for itself and let the Bible name who these people were. And so let's look at who these troublemakers were who had come to these Galatian Christians— after Paul had left them, and were seeking to have them supplement Christ with law, Christ with Torah. So let's survey what Paul says about them, beginning in chapter 1 and verse 7, chapter 1 verse 7. We'll look at a handful of verses, okay? We'll look at a handful of verses and what their motives are, okay? The first thing we see is in chapter 1 verse 7, Paul calls them troublemakers, He says in verse 7, not that there is another one, another gospel, but there are some who trouble you, okay? They're troublemakers. And how do you know they're troublemakers? Paul says, because they distort the gospel of Christ. Anyone who distorts the gospel, twists the gospel, turns the gospel, subtracts from the gospel, adds to the gospel, is a troubler is a troublemaker in the kingdom and a troublemaker. They are agitators to the churches. Chapter 2, verse 4. Look with me at chapter 2, verse 4. Paul goes back in time to refer to where he had met these people before. In other words, he had met these troublemakers before. He had met these agitators before. And here, and this is what he calls them in chapter 2, verse 4, these people who he met before. Yet because of false brothers okay false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so they might bring us into slavery so these are these are posers okay these are people who pose as brothers in Christ And what they're trying to do is to take the church, bring them back into the slavery of the law because they can't abide the freedom that we have in the new covenant and the freedom that we have in Christ. But they come under the cloak of being brothers, but they're posers, okay? And and their motives, their motives are evil. Their motives are to take you out from the freedom of the gospel and resubmit you to the yoke of Torah again. Chapter two, verse 12 Paul referring to another time calls them this for cert, before certain men came from James he was eating with the gentiles but when they came he drew back and separated himself fearing the circumcision party, okay? So we have the Republican Party, the Democratic Party, and now we have the Circumcision Party, okay? So this, so whatever they were, this was a group of people that were committed to the law, to Torah in this way. There was a group of them, and they were going around to the churches. And what Paul tells us about these guys is that this is the kind of leaven you don't want, okay? The Bible uses leaven in different ways. Sometimes leaven is a good thing, as in, as in uh, uh, Matthew 13, when we're talking about the parables. Um, here, leaven is not a good thing. So look at what Paul says in chapter 5, beginning in verse 7, okay? And again, you got to feel the pastoral pain here, okay? you got to feel pastoral pain. Every one of us who've ever been in the church before, whether you've been a pastor or not, you know what it's like to invest your life into someone right? And then have them just decide, sayonara, I'm out of here. You know how that breaks your heart, right? After you've invested your life in someone for Christ, and then they decide, nah, I don't want to hang with Jesus anymore, I'm out of here. That's, you can feel that in this book, and you can feel that with Paul right now. He says, look at you were running well. You started well. You were running well. Who hindered you? What got in the way of you obeying the truth? This persuasion, what, this influence that you're under now, is not from Him who calls you. This is not from Christ. This is not from God. Notice what he says, a little leaven, leavens the whole lump. Why do you think I am a maniac for precise doctrine? Why do you think your pastors are maniacs for precise doctrine? Because it doesn't take a lot of leaven. It just takes a little bit of leaven to get in and to just slightly torque and twist the truth and 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 lead to error, you see. That is why it's so important that we understand that a little bit of leaven does great damage. It leavens the whole lump. Then he says in verse 10: he says, I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view than mine. You listen to your apostle, listen to your pastor. And that the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. That this troubler, this agitator will get what's coming to him for leading you from the true gospel that I preached to you. Turn over to chapter six and we're going to see some of the motives that go on here. The motives. It's interesting, isn't it, that we think that man-pleasing, and that pleasing people is like a modern-day malady, like it's new to our generation, pleasing people, being a people pleaser, wanting to please men. No, it's not. (laughs) It's been around since the beginning. Look at what Paul says. This is what's driving these guys. Chapter 6 and verse 12. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Paul says these yokels don't even do what they say, okay? These fools, they don't even abide by the law. They want you to abide by. These are hypocrites. These are full-on hypocrites, but what they want to be able to do is they want to be able to parade you. They want to be able to show you, okay? That's what they want to do, and they want to be able to boast in you. But for them, listen, this is all, this is all about getting away from the persecution that comes with the cross, because you see, if you're going to follow Jesus Christ, you're going to take up your cross and follow him, and you're going you're to identify with the cross of Christ. Persecution's going to come with that. And these guys are trying to evade the persecution that comes with the cross and have this Torah religion in which they can boast in you and show you off and please men, you see. So all of these are the agitators, and this is what they're trying to do. Is this a big deal? Yes. It's a big deal, church. Look at chapter three, verse one, and then I'll bring this sermon home. Chapter three, verse one. To say this, you have to really care about a people because you risk them saying, you know what? If you're gonna call us fools, sayonara, Paul. See, the Galatians need to see the love in this that Paul has for them. He's trying to get them to clearly see what's happening to them. So he says in chapter 3, verse one: "O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? I'm bringing back a word from the summertime. I'm bringing back a word from Mark. You've been snookered. I'm only gonna say it once, (laughs) right? You've been deceived, you've been bewitched. How did that happen? You foolish Galatians, how in the world have they come in and seduced you away from the gospel? Now watch what he says. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. That was through the preaching. Through the preaching of the cross, they had met Jesus in the preached word, and now you would supplement that with something that always was leading to Jesus, but that Jesus has finished that world. Why are you going back to that, you foolish Galatians? So what is Paul's answer to this? Paul's answer to this, church, is no slap on the wrist, okay? Paul's answer to this is no slap on the wrist. Look at chapter 1 and verse 8. Okay. This is no slap on the wrist. This is an apostolic condemnation on anyone who would seek to add to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 8. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be anatema. Doesn't matter who it is, Paul says. If someone comes to you and preaches a gospel other than the gospel that I preach to you, let them be eternally condemned. That's what anatema means. So Paul's not slapping these guys on the wrist and saying, oh please go away, please leave my flock alone, Please go and do your things, peddle your wares somewhere else. No, Paul is saying to these Galatians, hey, do not listen to these false brothers. What is at stake is everything is at stake. And oh, by the way, to you false peddlers of the gospel, I have something for you. I have something that waits for you, and it is eternal condemnation. That's what waits. That's how serious this is. So, what's Paul's pastoral commitment then? It's just to return to the gospel. That's Paul's pastoral commitment. It's just to return them to the gospel, okay? To the clarity, the power, and the authority of the gospel. That is the pastoral way, you see, is to guard the trust, guard the gospel, preach the gospel until Christ is fully formed. In God's people, you see, look at chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. This is what Paul's returning to, all right? This is what Paul's returning to. He says this, chapter 2, verse 15 We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. It's just that straightforward. Amen? It's just that straightforward. Okay, so we can't add anything. The gospel needs no supplement Okay, the gospel needs nothing added on to it. It needs no extra power. It needs no extra authority. It needs nothing added on to it. It just needs to be faithfully proclaimed in word and sacrament. And, and, and if the church is leaving that, if the church is abandoning that, then, then firm, backboned, strong pastors have to stand up. And if strong medicine is needed, bring the appropriate rebuke upon anything that would take away from or add to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let me leave you with three things. Let me close with this. Number one, you want pastors like this. You want pastors like this that care enough for you, that have a mad protection for you, And Christ being formed in you. You want that. Number two, to add anything to the gospel is to lose the gospel. It's just that simple. Number three, to add anything to Christ is to lose Christ. Let us not be found at solely church ever guilty of the Galatian error but yet us even now come to the table and receive Christ alone amen let's pray lord jesus take your word seal it unto your people for the honor and glory of your name in jesus name we pray amen